0: Whatever it is that is like vaguely interesting to you, it's going to get more and more interesting as you focus deeper and as you discipline yourself. You can't be motivated every day um, and that's where the discipline comes in to keep going back to something and learning more about it, asking more people about it, getting yourself more and more entrenched in any industry that like there's a little itch for. I think that that's where passion, you know, actually turns into something tangible.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them a.k.a. a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Jill Donenfeld and Tiana Tennant, the founders of The Colonistas, the much-buzzed-about, in-home private chef service for either weekly home cooking or intermittent special occasions, with chefs in New York City, LA, the Hamptons, and Aspen. With over a decade of experience as a private chef, caterer, cookbook author, and restaurant veteran, Jill is a hospitality expert with a global perspective. Jill is on a mission to bring us back to the table by making it easier for busy, urban families to access delicious and nourishing home-cooked meals. She's been named Forbes 30 Under 30, has been featured in more press than I can name, and Danny Meyer referred to her as this generation's Martha Stewart. Tiana, who was named one of Inc.'s 2019 30 Under 30, spent five years as an investor and advisor at J.P. Morgan. Watching firsthand how busy mothers struggled to get healthy, delicious meals on the table for their families. By combining her business acumen, love of food, and entrepreneurial spirit, she saw how to leverage and grow Jill's private chef company into what the Colonistas is today a tech enabled, scalable business making customized private chef services an approachable household ritual. On today's episode, we talk about both of their respective backgrounds, how they met and vetted each other. What steps Tiana took before leaving her full-time job at JP Morgan and how they keep working in their passion while scaling. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Jill and Tiana. All right. So I am here with the founders of The Colonistas, Jill and Tiana. Thank you guys so much for being on Active Ingredient. I am I'm really excited to get into it. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I have actually been seeing you guys blow up on Instagram, on all of my favorite influencers' Instagrams. I don't know if that's strategic. I don't know if that's just happening organically, but I've i been seeing you guys everywhere. Um, but for those who don't know about The Colonistas, can one of you guys give me kind of like a brief background on what the service is?
2: Of course. So the Colonistas is an in-home private chef service. So we do anything from helping you get weekly meals on the table for yourself and your family um, to helping you host uh, family and friends, uh, any intimate gathering where you're in the home and you want to connect with those you love but don't necessarily want to handle all of the shopping, cooking, and clean up yourself.
1: So you guys do everything. We do it all. So I want to get into both of your backgrounds. I don't know which one of you guys want to go first, but I want to get into your backgrounds on kind of like your career trajectories, but I also just want to know like what your interests were. I read somewhere that you were a dancer.
2: I was. Where'd you find
1: that? I I did. You I did research. So you, you went deep. deep. <laughs> um, and I mean, you've definitely had like a love of food for a very long time. But I kind of want to get a background on both of your pasts, what you guys thought you wanted to do when you grew up, and just like a career trajectory on how you guys got. So to So you want to go places. far back? Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be like a super long thing. Just kind of like give us a background on what what you thought you wanted to do. Like I was into ice cream and boys <laughs> and like the pool. Uh, Yeah, but also, like, what what did you study?
0: I was always very enterprising, I would say that, um, and was always, like, starting businesses from a pretty young age. Starting at 15, I had, like, a little clothing company, Oh, Um, but then moved to New York to go to college um, and majored in urban planning at Barnard. Where are you from, sorry? Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, hence the pool,
1: not the ocean. <laughs> I was going to say that. That doesn't sound like from you.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but while I was in school here, I got very into the culinary industry. And it was everything from writing restaurant reviews for Time Out to working for a caterer, um, working front of house and back of house in restaurants, really like everything under the sun. Um as long as it could just t- – as long as I could touch food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretty early on started working as a personal chef myself before before all of this. How did you land your first client? Um, one of the families I was babysitting for um, knew that I was very into culinary because I was always cooking for the kids mm-hmm. um, rather than like ordering pizza um, or ordering Chinese. And they asked me if I knew where – Uh, They could find a personal chef. And I said, well, you could, you know, contact the culinary schools or you could hire me. And the mom was like, that's what the kids want. There was like a high five moment. Um, Yeah. And it really sort of teed me
1: up for learning, um, learning how to cook for families. I mean, definitely like hustler mentality. I feel like the fact that you like put yourself up for, for the task, like definitely says a lot about you. How did you know what to charge? Oh, that's, like, a gut thing of will they pay me this and will I feel okay about
0: it? Um, if you talk to Tiana, she can tell you, like, the real way of figuring
2: out how to charge. But yeah, but, like, me at the time. Like, it was just gut. Yeah. Cool. And, Tiana, how about you? So you started it. I mean, I grew up a dancer. Um, my mom runs dance studios. My sister was a dancer. So I grew up in that world and I did it for – the first 16 years of my life, um, but always knew I didn't want to pursue it professionally. I um, always knew – I don't know. It's just like something – even as a young girl, when I was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up, I never said a dancer. I said like, everything but. Um, so it was just never like a long-term passion of mine, but in, in the short term, it was my entire life. Um, and then I wanted – but I always wanted to go to college. I wanted to go to Georgetown desperately. Wow. Um, so I went to Georgetown and I studied in the business school there for the four years. Um, and all four of my internships were in food. I came from a really, like jail a very food-focused family where we always gathered around the table for family meals and holidays. Um, and so cooking was a huge passion of mine. So all four of my internships were in food. I cooked in an Italian kitchen. I worked with Giada De Laurentiis. I went to Food Network Magazine and did some work there. um, But ultimately, ended up in finance, as most college students coming out of Georgetown do, um, and spent five years there. So, What were you doing at J.P. Morgan? I was working in the private bank. I was an investor and um, financial advisor working with families and helping them manage their money.
1: Did you go into J.P. Morgan with the mentality of Going in there to learn as much as you possibly could to then eventually go back into the food space in exactly. a different capacity. Yeah. So you it did go strategic. with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's really impressive.
2: Yeah. And I didn't think I would last that long. I, I know. I ended up like- loving, I really loved and I loved all of the women that I worked with. So I stayed a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but definitely knew that it would be a great launch pad, whether it was the relationships I made or the skills I learned, that building a business from that platform would be. Um, a
0: strategic move. I always like the the sort of inverse quality of this, and that Tiana was like very very focused on the business and the finance, and culinary was the passion, and I was the inverse that I was like very very focused on the culinary, and business was like sort of this
1: accident thing that I had to get into to to pursue the culinary. So that actually is a perfect segue into how you both met, because Jill, you've been doing this for a a long time and kind of kept it small. I think I read somewhere that you had a maximum of 15 clients. At what point did you guys meet? And like, what was it about the other that you knew that you can take this to the next level? And Tiana, from a business perspective, I want to know like what you saw in Jill and like what business opportunities she may have been kind of like blinded to that you saw so clearly that you knew that you can take colonists to what it is today.
2: So we met through a mutual contact, um, someone that I became close with um, on the personal side, and someone that Jill had kind of met through like a more professional network. Um, I had just started exploring concepts and roles outside of finance. I was still at J.P. Morgan, but I was taking a weekend course at NYU in culinary entrepreneurship. I was talking to her about that. She didn't really know that I had this passion for food and culinary, and she recommended that I like connect with Jill. So it was kind of just through that mutual connection. And I think immediately what stood out to me was the difference in our backgrounds and skill sets and that Jill was an expert for, from a business perspective to partner with somebody that was an expert and had been doing something for such a long period of time, I thought was a huge advantage and something that would be very unique to building a business together.
0: And when I met Tiana, I thought that I was just meeting this like finance chick to advise her about like, okay, moving careers into culinary. I wasn't really even thinking about like leveraging the business that I had created. Into the business that we have today. Um, But it was so clear, like from the first moment that we met, that she saw something so much bigger and she was so hungry for it. And like when I think about what we did to like vet each other or like why we knew it was perfect, like she kept moving forward without. Asking me, like every time we would meet up, she would say, "Okay, so I've spoken to these three people in my network, and here's what they think, and I've modeled out um, this aspect of the business. Here, I want to show you this." And she was just so forward-thinking and so hungry and kept moving that that was like
1: scary to me, and so therefore seemed super fun and like a great challenge. I mean, that's that's a perfect balance of the two. But I'm interested to know from your perspective because you did have a successful business and it seemed like you were definitely like heading in a good direction. Were you like looking to expand Were you or did this opportunity kind of just like happen?
0: You know, I always knew that the company could be something more, but I really didn't want to do it myself. Um, we have different skill sets mm-hmm. and you really need all of them in order to create a scalable business. Um, and I didn't want to make the sacrifice myself of, learning all of those new things for the, for the sake of, you know, growing a company. Um, I don't think I would have done it if, if Tiana and I hadn't met. Um, But I'm very, very glad that we did. We get to create more opportunities for chefs, um, feed more clients, build an amazing team. And it's, it's been a really
1: gratifying experience. That's so incredible. So I want to hear from Tiana's perspective on when you saw the business model, where it was, when you met Joe, what did you see? Like, what was the exact opportunity at that time that you were like, these are the things that I think we can execute in the next five years. And this is, these are the benchmarks that I think that we can, we can meet.
2: I saw a core, I, saw, I saw a real need for our core service, which is the weekly meal prep. The weekly meal prep, once or twice a week, a chef will handle your grocery shopping, they'll come to your home, they'll spend three to four hours cooking in their kitchen, and then they'll package everything into beautiful Pyrex glass containers and stock your fridge so you're grabbing healthy meals throughout the week. And I had worked under a layer of really successful women at J.P. Morgan, and I couldn't imagine them coming home after work and going to the grocery store and feeding their families every every day. And there's a huge trend uh, for wellness and health. And I don't think the solution uh, to feed your family is always ordering from caviar or Postmates either. So the chorus service just felt like um, exponentially just a huge market to, to reach. Um, and I also was really attracted to the lean business model that was associated with the service. Um that we could build a platform and, and hire really fantastic, high-quality chefs who no longer wanted to work in restaurants and wanted to express their creativity in different ways, work better hours for better pay, um, and do that in a real lean way. Um, so the business was just there and that would just be a launching pad. I mean, from there we've expanded to occasions, we launched a postnatal service, we've opened up in vacation markets. So that core service was really just like the starting point of rolling out additional services to service similar clients. Yeah. The great thing about
0: making this more systematized is that we get to explore so much more and something that has been incredibly fun has been bringing our culinary development in-house. Um. Whereas previously my culinary exploration was happening through writing cookbooks or through traveling for culinary research. Um, there was this like big divide between myself as a business owner and myself as like a, a culinary um, you know explorer. Um, but now we've brought all of our culinary in-house. So we develop and test recipes all day, every day, and we're really able to have a culinary agenda for the business.
1: So smart. So actually, from your perspective, since you kind of removed yourself from doing the actual in-home cooking, do you feel like with the scale of the company, you've been far removed from what your original passion was or do you feel like your passion has changed or with like the testing in the kitchen in the in-house kitchen do you feel like that is getting met
0: I feel it's all very integrated now you know um it was so disparate before I was you know I wore one hat for one aspect of what I was doing and another hat for another aspect of what I was doing um I was cooking for families for 2 years and then staffing chefs for a decade so I was out of the client's homes um, pr- like pretty early on, um, but I wasn't doing recipe testing for like the business at that point or for the chefs who I was employing. I was really just doing it for my own endeavors, my own, you know, writing and that sort of thing. Now, I mean, I feel I get to be in the kitchen almost every day, whether it's with our culinary director um, or really like thinking deeply um, about recipes that our clients will love and that our chefs will love to make.
1: How do you guys feel about the health and wellness boom? And actually, before we get into that, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, I feel like with the start of Uber and Lyft, there was a huge gap from when they launched to when people actually felt safe getting in the cars. I'm interested to know from your perspective on what that was when you guys launched together from launching with your Rolodex of friends or people that worked at JP Morgan that knew you and trusted to expanding to people that may not know you and just identify with the brand and feel safe with having someone in your home. I
2: think we caught the wave at the right time. We weren't the first to bring strangers into your home. There were similar platforms providing different services in the home, whether it was Glam Squad or Zeal. So people were were starting to get familiar. Even now, two years later, it definitely feels different. We almost rarely get the the question, um, how do you vet your chefs? And I wish we got it more because it is such an important aspect of our service like I would say we put more emphasis on the chefs and like even the food because the chef is the one executing on the food and the one that's making you feel comfortable in your own home. Um, so we put a lot of time and energy into vetting our chefs. Not only are they the best culinary talents we can find, but they're the most hospital as well and trustworthy. Um, so we take our vetting process really seriously. And I think that has been obvious to our client Um and something that we have never, like, slacked on. Amazing. What does that vetting process look
0: like? Well, definitely every you know every chef is not a personal chef, right? Um, a chef who works in a restaurant doesn't have to be front of house as well as back of house. They really just need to execute Very on the true food. Point. But when you're in the home, you're you're both front of house and back of house. To T's point, it's culinary and it's hospitality. Um, so we start with a resume screen. And then have a Skype interview with everyone to really just talk and get to know them and sort of understand their personalities, their lineage, where they're coming from. Um, And then we bring them into our kitchen in our office and do like a 90-minute cooking interview in which they make a couple of our recipes. And there we're we're not only testing for culinary expertise but also like – truly how we feel with them in our space um, if we feel taken care of um, and if the if the energy is is right um, from there if we love them then we do give them a background check it's very important um, to us as well as our our clients that they are um, safe and then we'll do an onboarding in which we talk about best practices and really sort of what the ethos of the company is
1: and are these chefs working full-time for colonistas or is it they can kind of opt-in when it works for their schedule
0: it's it's a schedule that really works for them um, so some chefs love to stack up clients um, and others like to augment their day jobs or their restaurant jobs with just a few you know you mentioned this health and wellness boom and I would say that um, our company is maybe one of a kind in that we really focus not only on the health and well-being of our clients, but also on the health and well-being of our chefs. It's very important to us that we're providing them with jobs that make them feel good, jobs that allow them to have enough sleep, get to see their friends and
2: family, and really have a balance in their lives. And we're, and we're seeing it with more and more women joining our platform. I would say when we first launched, it was probably 50-50 split between men and female. It probably even skewed more towards male. And now it's almost 70% female chefs on our platform because of that balance. Um and focus Fantastic. on on wellness. I mean, for a woman, to, you know, a female chef to wake up on a Monday morning at 9 a.m. and go to work like the rest of the world um, is different in culinary where they're used to working from 5 p.m. on a Thursday till 2 a.m. on a Sunday. Those hours are really grueling on women, especially women who want to have um babies. I think we just had three female chefs on our platform like have babies and they can gradually come back to work and do the work that they actually wanna do. Um
1: they're passionate about cooking and food and it's so nice to like have a platform that can can support that. That's so incredible that you guys are giving that to so many people because I feel like the restaurant industry is one that like people are always so weary of getting into because of that reason and it is definitely male heavy. So I think that's an incredible opportunity that you're giving a lot of people. Um, I'm interested to know what's the vetting process for different cities and like how do you guys find the next city and how involved are you with like making sure that that is the same process that is in New York, that's in LA? In terms of markets, we've always
2: based it on client demand. When we first launched in New York, we quickly, we launched in September, so kind of the fall and by March. Um, of the following year, we were already getting qu- requests for it, for the uh, for the Hampton. So we quickly figured out a way to move some of our chefs out there and support our clients during the summer. Um, you move them out? We do. Oh wow! We send them out just so that they're readily Can available. I, get hired?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really cook that well. But <laughs>
2: Just so that they're readily available, the trip back and forth from the city just becomes grueling on chefs. So just to have them out there, um, the needs, people have homes and they're hosting, so the need is just there. And then the same thing happened that following winter with Aspen. So we've kind of just based on client feedback, um, and that's how we that's how we got to LA. LA is our second permanent market that we just launched this September, which we're really excited I about. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have both coasts covered. Um The chefs are so... Fantastic out there. And I think that's the other core element that we look for. Like, where are the chefs located? Like, the culinary talent that makes it easy to expand to. We get a lot of requests for like Connecticut or Jersey. It's just not, there's not as much culinary talent there, which makes it harder to expand, much easier to move um, into a market like LA where you just have so much raw, great talent. Um, And the vetting process is the same. I mean, the hiring process is the same. The only thing that's different is the cadence. So in New York, we're constantly hiring every single week, bringing new chefs onto the platform. With a market like LA, um, it's just more concentrated. Jill was just out there last week and we hired eight eight chefs in one week. So it's just um,
1: more concentrated. It's a lot of food in one week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you guys control, like if Let's say I hired a chef and I really, really, I wouldn't do this to you guys, but I'm sure some people have tried. If they hire a chef through colonistas, they love them. How do you guys kind of control that staying on the colonista platform versus like them just kind of after they've met them, getting them to come to their home? The platform provides a lot of service to the chefs. Um, We are providing
0: them with grocery lists, uh, recipe blueprints, and a tremendous amount of volume when it comes to clients and work. So it's... We haven't really run into that so much. Um, Chefs understand that they can be getting more work if they're getting it through us. Um, They can be working on different clients every single day and not worried about the constant back and forth that goes on um, setting up every service because we are handling that. So it's it's really not something that we've run into so much. And the same
2: thing for our clients. I think we've become a trusted resource for top quality culinary talent. So everything is is there in their profile. Nothing's lost. If they don't love olives, they'll never get olives regardless of which chef is showing up. It allows them to be last minute. If you, if it's you know Thursday night, you want to have a dinner party on Friday night, maybe the chef that you love is available and we'll always prioritize that. Chefs can, uh, clients that's what can, I wanted to ask. Like, clients can, you can definitely request? request chefs or favorite chefs, favorite dishes, that kind of detail is all captured in a client profile. So and great. then we'll prioritize it. And if not, we'll send you a chef that's just as great and i think um our happiest clients are familiar with that process and then we really become like the trusted resource for them for all and our those clients things. like a few chefs you know
0: you can you can get a little bit um bored yeah, if there's just, a... just one one chef it's nice i think for our clients to have two or three or four chefs who they work with
1: sort of in their in their roster in terms of like what you guys pick for the week what does that process look like like, how do you guys get inspiration for new dishes? What – do you guys travel to see, like, d- what different countries are doing? Like, what what does that whole process look like?
0: I would say we have, like, our culinary inspiration, which is, like, pretty Mediterranean-inspired, um, you know, herb, acid-forward food. But as far as, like, really thinking about it holistically, Tiana and I both grew up eating um, around the dinner table with our families every night and really, like, going back to that feeling of – what it was like to eat together, and what you liked to eat together. What kinds of foods could you share with each other, pass around the table?
1: That's really the ethos that we're thinking
0: about when we're developing these weekly menus.
1: And I think that's something that like, a lot of listeners would like to know is that it's attainable. It's not like this This service sounds like it would be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to have someone come cook your meals for the week. It's actually attainable. And I don't know if that's something that you guys like want to talk about your pricing or how you guys modeled that. Um And I think that definitely like optically, when I see the colonistas, it's always on like my favorite influencers account that like they definitely like have the means to have a chef. But I think it's also important to note that like You can too have the Colonistas in your apartment, you know, like Yeah, definitely. I mean the the service
2: cost is two fifty. And that gets you half a week's worth of food. So if your chef's coming on a Monday, you can expect dinner through Thursday. And then the cost of groceries is just a pass-through. So depending on your family size, whether you're two people, four or six, the groceries will tear up and down. And our chefs are really thoughtful about grocery shopping, probably more thoughtful than all three of us. They will utilize the bulk section. They'll break off the piece of garlic that they need. They'll ask the Cheesemonger to you know square off two two ounces of Parmesan instead of buying the whole block. They're really thoughtful. Full. so the groceries are never of excess and if you compare it to ordering food in it's a no brainer i just think people it's a it's a it's a chunk like it's it's a 1 fee chunk cost that happens um once a week which seems large but if you add up what it costs to feed your family for the whole week it's definitely more affordable and also healthier.
1: So you guys have been really successful. I don't know at what point you guys felt like you made it, but I am I would love to know from both of your perspectives, like have there been any like milestone moments where you're like, damn, like we are onto something?
2: Well, I think one moment for me early, early on is when we launched. We felt really good about our chefs, top quality set of chefs to launch with. We felt really great about our recipes and – our tech was like, uh, or I wouldn't even call it tech. It was like a website. It was like a Squarespace paper form. Our presence on the internet <laughs> overall. And you have to start somewhere, and we wanted to get it out there. And for me, I think what really gave us the drive to keep going and – and build out a team and raise capital and get this thing off the ground was that people actually kept signing up despite the fact that they'd have to tell us their name and email address and where they lived every single week and then use a dropdown to pick their six <laughs> dishes. They kept coming back. Um, and it really validated the need for the service. And that's when you start to get excited despite – I mean, at the same time, you have these amazing, beautiful Glam Squad and Zeal apps and we're like on a Squarespace website and people are coming back. It's it really – Gets you excited to build something, and I—I I think
0: for me, what's been uh, really gratifying is is seeing how into everything our team is. Um, when team members like come to us with their own ideas, or when I don't know what anyone's working on, um, and then I get to find out, and they're all just like so in it. That's when I really feel like this is something real, and this is something worthwhile.
1: Have you guys had any, like, major celebrities hire the colonistas? Yes, but we can't say. <laughs> so many. <laughs> it's
2: the hardest part of our job. We can't talk about it. It's so funny. Major
1: sports stars. Ooh.
2: <laughs> major tennis players. Yeah. Major actors actresses. and actresses.
0: Media moguls. <laughs> Titans of the universe. <laughs> I
1: love They're it. They're <laughs> for me a huge celebrity is Love Shock Fancy because I'm obsessed with them as a we can brand. Talk about and I think love, that they are a celebrity they're very <laughs> they're very open about it and we love cooking for Rebecca so Amazing. How do you guys? What's your what's your strategy for getting the word out? Like, do you, I, I see you guys on Instagram all the time? And I don't know if that's something that is like a big kind of foot forward for you guys. I would love to hear what. I your mean, strategy I'm so is.
2: glad to hear that. We don't. We've never done no. Like, ads, I literally ever. I've seen you guys everywhere. It's that's all that's organic. Cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm, um, Sophie. Which is great. So thanks for saying. Yeah. That. I mean, we definitely have probably put our the most time and energy into like co-hosting events. It's so natural. It actually is our product. Um, and it's so fun to partner with like-minded brands or individuals who want to gather their friends or their network around a table and enjoy our food. There's nothing more gratifying. And it's also the perfect representation of our product. Um, so we do a ton of that. We, When we launched in LA, we did nine lunches and dinners across five days. So we're always well-fed and exhausted from
1: entertaining, but it's definitely the most effective um, and something that we'll continue to do. Do you guys have like a strategy for I don't know like paying for ads on Instagram like like I I just kind of want to get into like specifics on like what is the strategy aside from events on like explaining the service to the masses
2: Instagram's so interesting I mean we the the biggest concern we have with Instagram which is why we haven't pursued paid is it's not an impulse buy it's a life change mm-hmm. um you've been meal prepping for years and you're committed. (laughs) Like (laughs) six months. Six months. You're committed. You made that change and you're dedicated to it. I think that's similar. People decide that they're going to make this change in their life and I just don't think it happens by like seeing an ad on Instagram. Maybe for like a dinner party it will spark your interest and like get you excited to gather your friends. But I do think it's not as – it's not as – Like maybe m- though you based? see it
0: on Instagram and it's intriguing, you know. And then you read about the services elsewhere mm-hmm. where you can really deep dive
2: into what they are. Yeah. And that's what really converts people. I think in Instagram though is great for validation. I mean we do put a lot of thought into our grid. Um, almost all of our content on Instagram is original. It's ours. It's our food. And I think that's a great – Point of validation when people hear about us, they'll go to our Instagram. It has to look delicious and homey, and um, I think it definitely encourages people to pursue. But I'm not exactly convinced yet that is it's the converter. Hmm. I love your
1: founder Q and As. They're so cute. Oh, our founder Friday. Yeah, your founder, your founder <laughs> questions to each
2: other. You're so. We cute. start to learn. We don't know that much about each other. <laughs>
0: I thought Tiana's vegetable was a green bean. She's such a bean. <laughs> what did
1: I say? An <laughs> <I'm dying>. endive. <laughs> I kind of want you to explain what why you meant that. Like why why is she an endive? And and I don't know. Because I like <laughs> it. I just them like I it. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And she's like a string bean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: they were supposed to be cute. We didn't. We didn't like go deep
1: thinking about. Oh, I that. love. I love that. You guys should definitely keep it going. Um, Tiana, I kind of want to hear what the process was while you were at JP Morgan before you're doing colonias full time. Um, how long were you doing that on the side? I don't know if that's something that you want to talk about, <laughs> but I mean, it was I the whole point <laughs> of the podcast is to really like inspire someone who may be thinking of doing something or taking their side hustle to actually pursue it full time or doesn't even know what the right thing for them is. But I would love to hear what your kind of journey from being employed by something very, like, structured and you knew where your paycheck was coming to doing this full time. Yeah. No, I'm happy to talk about it. I think it was an evolution. There
2: comes a point in anyone's career where you're giving it your all and you have to determine if if, if this is where you want to take it for the rest of your career, um, I was so deep and in, invested at J.P. Morgan. And I wasn't convinced that that was my end goal. Um, so I just started exploring. And NYU was my first stepstone stone into a world outside of J.P. Morgan. It just opened up conversations with people that I knew really well that didn't even know I had this other passion or idea luring in the back of my mind. Um, so I think that's a great step towards doing the next. is just like having an open mind and taking the little steps. It was a weekend course, so it didn't interfere with my day-to-day job at at JP Morgan by any means, Um, but got my mind thinking. And then when I finally met Jill, um, it was just like a lot of weekend work and weekend meetings between the two of us. Um, And we did it for a while. I didn't just like Jump out of J.P. Morgan and leave my career because I was actually quite happy there. Um, it was a lot of work, um, running numbers, talking to potential investors, legitimizing the the concept and idea to, to a point where you always have to take somewhat of a risk. I mean, I left J.P. Morgan with zero dollars committed from you know from investors,
0: mm-hmm.
2: knowing that hopefully those verbal commitments were going to transfer into real dollar commitments. But there's a point where you just have to leave
1: and take a chance and give it your all. So did you have savings kind of as a safety net in the case that those meetings didn't close the way that you wanted them to?
2: I mean, I don't think I thought of it that way. But yeah, yes, I think I, I probably could have found another job <laughs> um, if it didn't turn out right. Something about Tiana though, when she
0: sets her mind to something, she gets it done. She really gets it done. I mean, I remember that you she didn't tell me this, but she left her job a month before we had really like inked
2: our papers together. Like she was sure. (laughs) She knew it was it was eyes on the prize. Yeah. You wanna you wanna do the pre work. We definitely had enough conversations with individuals that I felt like we had what we needed to at least give it a go. You you, you need some capital to get started. How are you going to hire a team or invest in technology or, do, or build out the branding strategy or anything like that? So I wanted to feel good about that. And originally it just starts with conversations and then it hopefully translates
1: into something more. So I want to hear from both of you on what your individual active ingredients are. Seems like you guys are definitely right, left, left, what is it? Right brain, left brain. Um, But I would love to hear kind of like it's the deeper question that I ask on the podcast. And it's just like, what is the actual reason that you get up and go to the office? Like, what is it about colonizes that makes you want to make the five-year plan, the 10-year plan? Like what, what excites you? I would say for me, it's definitely spreading
0: that well-being. Um, Across our chefs, our clients, and also our staff who work in the office, that's something that's just been so wonderful is really um, helping people like have that health and that balance in their lives um, and work on something that they feel really dedicated to and, and passionate
2: about. And you? For me, the drive comes from the building because building leads to so many so many more opportunities for our internal team to grow. Jill and I just doubled the team in June, which is just a huge deal. It's just exciting to have that many more people part of a growing business that has so much potential and so many ideas um, behind it, and then as that grows, the platform itself grows. And then we're giving so many more chefs opportunities to express their passion and build their careers. And it just gets bigger and bigger and provides so much more work and opportunities for so many others. So that's most exciting to me. Like when I run the numbers and I see how much money our chefs are making and how many days a week they're working, like there's nothing, nothing that makes me more proud. Did you get the left brain, right brain? Like I want them
0: to like have fun and she wants me to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what we got.
1: Um, so again, like the point of the whole podcast is to obviously interview people that I feel have found it and are working in the thing that is their passion, but it's also really for someone who is looking to be inspired, but also actually like have some tangible takeaways on what they should even ask themselves before they maybe, like, leave and start a whole thing by themselves or, like, they even start, like, looking for a specific type of job. Like, what would you say to someone if, like, a family member came to you and was like, I don't even know what I'm passionate about. Like, what's the first step to figure that out? I think discipline is the absolute step to
0: anything. You really, really have to learn to discipline your mind and focus on um, learning, and learning deep and and really going into um, whatever it is that is like vaguely interesting to you, it's going to get more and more interesting as you focus deeper and as you discipline yourself. You can't be motivated every day, um, and that's where the discipline comes in—to keep going back to something and learning more about it, asking more people about it, getting yourself more and more entrenched in any industry that like there's a little itch for. I think that that's where passion, you know, actually turns into something tangible.
1: It's a really good answer. It's probably one of the better answers that we've had. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I'm being serious. That's really good. (laughs) And
2: I would say at the same time though, take your time. I'm a big believer that you can have multiple careers in one lifetime and constantly, you constantly have the opportunity to reinvent yourself. And From a very, very young age, I knew I had a passion for food. I was cooking Christmas dinner with my grandma at age five. Like I was constantly in the kitchen. Um, But I didn't necessarily know how that was going to translate into career and I didn't really force it. I didn't work on the set with with Giada De Laurentiis and like decide to be a food, you know, TV food producer or cook in a kitchen and decide to be a chef. I kind of just used them all as learning opportunities and as long as everything you're doing in your career is skill development, they'll all translate. I mean, so many of the things I learned at J.P. Morgan translate day to day to my job today like and what, the role I example. play in the company. I mean, honestly, everything. I live in Excel spreadsheets still. I'm just like – And you love that. Very different things. And like it's fun to talk about like food trends and like analyzing how much money our chefs are making and like which markets are doing well, which ones like – are thriving for different reasons and um, it's just like different, but all of those skills that I learned at JP Morgan I'm just using today for just a little bit different. So as long as you're strategic and you're not making ad hoc choices throughout your career, I think they'll all lead to um, the path that you're you you know you should end up on.
1: Um, but don't force it. Also amazing answer. Um, what's next? What's next for Colonisa's? What's the next city? Or what's just next? Well, we're very focused on L.A. Um, we're putting a lot of our our time and efforts towards
0: really growing that market, making sure everyone is aware that we are there. Um, and then come next year, just a little preview is a little bit of e-com,
2: perhaps a cookbook Ooh. in the mix. Yeah. Our, cl- our clients really want our recipe, so we're thinking of a creative way to get it in their hands. and. Um, Start sharing all of the recipe development that we're doing in our test kitchen with our with our client base.
1: I love it. Maybe I'll get it and give it to my boyfriend and be like, "Here, perfect." So (laughs) we'll we'll send you some recipes. (laughs) I love it. So I always close out the podcast asking like a lighter question on what your literal active ingredient is, meaning like, is it that you have to have coffee every day? Is it that you have to meditate every day? Like, what's something that you need in all of your days? To actually get them going. Two
2: baths a day. Two? Two. One, one quickie in the morning, a little bit longer you one do at night. You do a full bath? I mean, I don't like – as a dip. It, like a, a dip. dip. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Jill. She gets it. <laughs> That's impressive.
1: I love it. Amazing. What's yours? I have to make the bed every morning. Otherwise, the day does not go. That's a really good one. I feel like I feel the exact same way. <laughs> Amazing. Where can everyone follow you guys? The Colonistas on Instagram. Cool. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. This was amazing, and I'm definitely going to sign on. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us, and for more inspiration and quotes from the episode – check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient.